0: Welcome back to the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld. I have Stephanie O'Sullivan here of So Sullivan Interiors. Stephanie is also the proud owner and builder of Cole Lane House, which you might know from RT's Super Small Spaces with Dermot Bannon. And Steph is here to talk about the role of the interior designer. Um, and I'm so thrilled to have her here as she is also my mentor. Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Newfeld Flanagan, expat and interior designer based in Dublin, Ireland. This show is all about informing and inspiring you, homeowners and renters in Ireland, on all things around property, housing, and home, from self-building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces. Welcome, Steph.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about our... Our interview today because I want you to explain to people with your 20 years experience working in, you know, architecture firms now working for yourself between London and Dublin, what is the role of the interior designer? When should people hire one versus an architect? When does it actually not make sense to hire one, if ever? Um, and just kind of help people understand a little bit more about the overwhelming process of of making their home their own, you know, when they've just bought in this yeah. current property market.
1: Yeah. Well, you've kind of used a good word there, overwhelming, because I think that's what the benefit of having an interior designer can take away. There's such a rush to start a build, and there's such a rush to get an extension and a reconfiguration of a home done in terms of like as soon as the contractor's ready to, you know, start, that people are so excited to get started that they forget about the enormous amount of decisions that need to be made in order for it. To actually happen. That's when it becomes overwhelming. Preparation is essential. Informed decisions is essential. Um, and to give you an example, we built our house from scratch, in a very, very difficult location in terms of access. It was down a laneway, barely get it, trucks down. But we had every single decision made and drawn and detailed before the build started. There was no phone calls to ask us what the flooring was. There was no phone calls to ask us what we wanted to do in the bathroom. There was no phone. Like The builder had 145 drawings. It was completely seamless from start to finish. We had no stress whatsoever. And there's no reason why anyone doing any sort of a build, uh, refurbishment, extension, whatever it is, there should be no reason that um, people should feel overwhelmed if they haven't done the right Process upfront. And, mm. you know, you don't even need an interior designer to tell you <laughs> what decisions <laughs> are that need to be made. Like, if you were to list out all the things you wanted in your home and then put in front of that list what decisions need to be made in order for that item to be done, that's the best starting point you can go from, you know, before you even build. And I don't think people really realize the enormous impact that it has the end result yeah there is nothing worse than having to make a decision based on time yeah on the restrictions like you don't want to have to decide on the flooring that you're going to have in your home for at least 10 years because the builder needs something that's available in two weeks time as opposed to something you could have specified six to ten weeks previously and ordered because you knew the amount you needed Um, and then you would have had the floor you really really wanted and you know it would have worked with every other decision you made Um, and I just think that's where you're gonna that's the huge benefit is you know of working with an interior designer.
0: Okay I think that's a perfect segue and I think it's reassuring for anyone listening to hear like it actually doesn't have to be the headache that we see sometimes on TV or that we hear the horror stories from our friends about cowboy builders and yeah. half half build things <laughs> so and 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 I know what you're saying just there if you know if you work with a professional you can prepare those things let's say someone's just bought a house they've got the keys they're considering an extension at what point should they be considering hiring a interior designer or an architect or both or no one <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i mean this is this is a re- really popular service I have, so an awful lot of my inquiries and i'm really you know it really pleases me that people are starting to realize that they can ask the questions that there is there is something that they can do before making massive decisions so I do recommend an interior designer over an architect for something like understanding the impact of, of of an extension on the internal configuration of a space. There are some architects that, you know, get it and totally can do the job. But I think there's a lot more that an interior architect or an interior designer can give you at that stage. There, there's mm. just more of an awareness of understanding Um, the flow and the balance between practical and, you know, just nice spaces. And an awful lot of interior designers now have these abilities to just do those type of consultations where they, you know, you can send them your plans, they can review them. And then most of the time, you don't even need to meet. You can do it over Zoom. And that's what I do, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's what I love doing. There are lots of different types of interior designers um, some their process is more about the finishes and so they are really good at taking spaces that you know you might have just had to move into really quickly and you've done a quick extension and you've got the basics in but you just don't know how to dress it there's some mm. designers designers are excellent at that they they can see they can just pull it all together with furnishes uh, furnishing and finishes you know you need these type of cushions and you need this rug and you need these colors and you need to bring it all together. That's one type of interior designer. And that's, that's a really hard and challenging service, you know, and, and I would seek out that type of interior designer. If you need that process that is isn't my forte, my strength lies in understanding spatial awareness and rethinking the home in particular Um, so I kind of throw out the rule book and I throw out what has been done in the past and I throw out what people are used to living in. And I ask the hard questions and I push the boundaries and I say, you know, how much of how you're living is being informed because of the way the space is versus how do you really want to live for your lifestyle and how should the space work to aid that? Hmm. I love that. And particularly now, because we've just come through the most extraordinary life-changing experience with the pandemic. And it is, even before the pandemic, I was already, you know, very much aware of people's work versus home life balance. And I was trying to push people in a way to turn their home into very calm spaces. And, you know, I was nearly making the biggest room of the house the utility just to take away all the faff so that Mm -hmm. what you you were living in was really calm and just, you know, the bedroom should just have a bed Mm. and the kitchen should just have what you need and your living space should just be for living. And so, you know, there shouldn't be the clothes horse in the middle of the living room with all the clothes on it. Mm. Yeah, there's the one right behind me here. (laughs) That's right behind you. And then, you know, there shouldn't be just stuff without somewhere to live. If I look at like Japanese design, they have like um, a rule of thumb that the space should be at least 40% storage. And I always, without thinking about it, I kind of do that automatically. Wow, homes are really not being built with that in mind. If you think of new builds nowadays, my God. new New builds in Ireland are Woeful, and and I don't want to offend anybody that might be listening. That is a builder. It's not, it's not a stab at builders. It's a stab at the system of building safely mm. for the fear that they won't sell the house, and yeah. also to make the most money out of it, rather than caring about the human factor. And I, and that is a problem overall in Ireland. So I yeah. <laughs> The human factor, caring for humans, is not considered with public spaces, with homes, with whatever it is, it, it, with services. It, the human factor just doesn't exist. It's um, it's a real th- it's a real struggle for me. And yeah, um, it's more of an, of an afterthought. And also from a practical yeah. point of view,
0: yeah, I, I you know I live in a in a new build, and there was absolutely no storage anywhere except for these small units behind me. And when you move into a place, a space and you don't really realize, you know, because I I was still studying interior design when I moved in, I didn't fully comprehend how much storage we really needed. You make the wrong decisions. You spend money right after you've made the biggest investment of your life on potentially incorrect decisions because the experts who designed it didn't consider it for you. And now you have to, like you said, work around what you have, even if it's really not what works for you.
1: Yeah and a lot of the housing developments you know the new housing estates the houses are designed with the fact that the homeowner is most likely going to have to extend mm mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> which, which is shocking that's so sad yeah that's sad you know someone um, spending 750,000 on a brand new home and they're going to have to extend to make it livable i i
0: like what you said that potentially before you've even decided whether an extension is necessary or like whether it's an attic conversion or an extension or whatever it is, a massive reconfiguration of the house. So you're saying that in that instance, before you've made that decision, it might be a better place to ask the question of an interior designer rather than an architect. Because I also think when you, when you hire an architect, they might think your decision is kind of already made. And obviously, it's in their interest to... To push you that way because they think in terms of buildings and so they're going to make more, more of their fee usually as a percentage that's than awesome. of the build they might charge a you know per hour consult fee but that's what they do they build whereas yeah. an interior designer is perhaps a little more unbiased in that exactly. there is no incentive for you for them to extend 100%. or not extend because they're going to need help with the home either way
1: 100 percent. and mm. the thing is an interior designer who is more leaning towards the interior architect vibe rather than the interior decorator. You know, if they've got those skills, there's no reason why they can't do like show you a line, you know, draw a line to say mm-hmm. extend out by a meter here. You know, it doesn't matter what the, you know, architectural look of it and feel of it's going to be. It's purely about space. So it's like if you, if you do go out by just a meter look at the impact it has like all you've done is is added on a meter to the back and we've completely changed the layout and flow of the space if you go to an architect and you go we're thinking of doing an extension you know they'll go way more than a meter because Mm -hmm. they're looking at it as an extension and quite often what happens is yes it's amazing yes you've created this incredible space at the back but there's What happens to the rest of the house?
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: it gets Uh, forgotten. I I have to look at it holistically. I cannot consider an extension without understanding the rest of the house because nine times out of 10, I can show you something by converting the attic Mm. and just reconfigurating the ground floor and maybe doing a little bit of an extension like a cool glass box picture window thing by only a meter out the back which is giving you a much better use of space because that versus putting on the big extension has kind of made the internal and front room redundant. It's like, what do I do with this now? Mm. Also, the big thing for me is the utility room and where it goes. (laughs) And often, I see too often that a new extension is planned into the space with a new utility At the back of the house, accessible from the back of the kitchen to the outside. And that's not the place to put it in In majority of cases. It should be in the heart of the home, at the bottom of the stairs, in the darkest point of the house. And you should not be blocking off the views at the back. And you should not be thinking that you need access to the back garden. And you should not be thinking, because like, we don't need to hang out our clothes on the line. No as much as we need to keep our spaces calm. And also, you know, put the utility room upstairs where everything from the house that you need to go into the utility room lives in the first place. So an awful lot of the time when I look at the rest of the house, we we come up with solutions that nobody even thought possible. And not only did it save them money, it gave them... The most forward way of thinking for the house and for the future of their house and for a growing family.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I think also what you said there about
0: the money factor is huge. Like if if you just decide, okay, everyone does extensions. I bought this house because they had a big garden to extend. Like we have family members who've just done this. They have young twins and they're buying a hundred square meter house. But the plan is always we're going to extend. We're going to extend. We're going to extend. But people don't even consider like. The walls you can take down, and the things you can reconfigure, and the space under the stairs, and all of these little things, because it's just assumed more bedrooms, more space is what's required, rather than than the clever thinking. Like people are obsessed with number of bedrooms, even if they're closets in this country. Like it's crazy.
1: <laughs> I, I totally agree, and I've had this. I've had arguments <laughs> with clients, healthy arguments, because yeah. you know, thinking about oh we need to factor in when we want to sell this and like Mm. we will expect and will we get our money back and that breaks my heart because we we're not promised tomorrow Mm. no one is okay and we need to put our life first and foremost we need to put our family lives our lives that we want to live first and foremost and then consider what is the impact of this financially? Uh, have I have I put myself in a risky position here? Mm-hmm. Just weigh up the risk. There's nothing that you can't do. You know, there's nothing that you can't do in a couple of years' time if you do want to sell and you just need to maybe put that bath back in that you took out. Like everything's recoverable in many ways. And I just feel that people need to be able to live their lives the way they want to live them in the homes without without really having to worry about investments and returns and things like that. Um, hmm. That's a really interesting way to, to think about it
0: because there is always a trade-off not only of like oh we're not living the way we want to live but if you spend all that money on that what does that mean for your quality of life money that you could be spending on a meaningful vacation with your family on tutors for your kids on a nicer gym for yourself. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit more about like your specific approach. Your strength is the spatial awareness. And I, I, I like what you talked about how different interior designers will work in completely different ways. And you need to figure out what it is you need. Like, are you decided on this layout and you're not open to changing it? Then, you know, maybe, maybe you just want to polish it up now and in 10 years or five years. You might reconsider something deeper. So I think that's great for people to ask themselves before they're like, "I need an interior designer," and it's just she like I like her style because it's not just stylistic, right? It, it's the um, it's the deliverable and it's also the approach.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So there's lots of different ways of looking at it. Um, one, you know, one thing I always say to clients is, "What is the end goal?" I know mm. you only want to fix this up in this area right now. But what's the end goal? Because you need to know what that is in order to not waste money. To be sure, you need to be sure, you need to be informed that you're not just wasting and throwing away the money right now doing those things. If in the long term, it means you're going to have to redo it. In the commercial world, which I was, that's my background, you know, in mm. you know, 20 years of doing commercial work, we often would do huge exercises around phasing okay okay, on a large scale so i'm talking about like (laughs) big big spaces that you know place making for like the likes of google and linkedin where they were taking huge piece of land but they were phasing um their build works and we would need to work out what the end goal was so you know 1,000 people might be working in the building day one, but they're eventually going to have 10,000 in all the four buildings. Mm. So we used used to have to design and plan all the four buildings for the 10,000 people, even though phase one was only going to be 1,000 people in building one. Because there's no way you can make the decision on what the best way to spend your money is on phase one without knowing what phase four was. It's a massive exercise. And so on a smaller scale, when I approach and adapt that way of thinking to homes, it's like, okay, long term, you want the big, big kitchen because that's your family's priority. You're big into cooking. You're big into entertaining. And so the long term goal is to have that big kitchen. So why are you spending 40 grand on this kitchen right now? That's silly. Mm -hmm. we need to look at what the long-term layout is for this kitchen and design it up and for now let's just spend five to ten grand making this livable for you for the next five years and then let's do this in in you know you can sit on this and then when you're ready you can start the ball rolling and what it also does is it allows you time to get it priced And to pick out all the different finishes so that you know that in five years' time, this is how much you're going to need. Okay, it's based on current prices and you can kind of of say, right, well, hopefully in five years, we're going to come back down by 20% back down and you can kind of factor that in. But it's something to work towards. You'd be surprised how much you can save (laughs) when you (laughs) work towards.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. And I think it's quite opposite to a lot of the rationale when people start something they're like, well, we might as well do it now while we're at it. That kind of approach. And instead, I I love that we could take a leaf out of the commercial book where it's like they do have to plan for all of this and they but they still invest in the short term because they couldn't have a shitty office for Absolutely. 5 years until they plan this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um and so if somebody's like, I know we're going to have two kids, Over the next five years, how do we how do we plan that? I love that.
1: Yeah, and especially a family with kids, right? Mm -hmm. A kid's life changes so much from the day they're born to you know when they get to their, I suppose, teens and eighteen when they start to consider going to college, maybe in a different county or a different country or whatever. But that lifetime span. Needs to be flexible, and, and mm-hmm. I think everybody knows that, but they don't understand yeah. what that really means. So, storage and practical space in the first 10 years of the last child's life is more hungry, but then mm-hmm. it starts to dilute a bit as you go on. And then you often see couples in their kind of like late 40s, 50s doing big changes to their homes because. Mm-hmm. Life has completely changed. Their kids are raised. They're ready to like enjoy their spaces and have people over now. And I love that. I love thinking about that. I love that whole idea how a space is going to change and adapt to your lives going forward.
0: Yeah, because it kind of ebbs and flows. You need all this space for dumping ground and clutter and things and growth. And then as kids get into their teens, they seek their independence. They don't want to be home. They want to be with their friends. And that's when parents can reclaim that territory, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is to think about like the kids in their teen ages, they like their own spaces with their buddies too. So you, yeah. know, you might want the attic conversion for yourself someday to have an amazing, mm. calm, beautiful, zen bedroom away from the rest of the house someday. But consider that in you know, the teenage years, it's actually the best place to put the teens. So Just give it a lick of paint and put loads of beanbags and beds and stuff up there and let them have that space. Yeah. Then that becomes your space, you know, once they're moving out and stuff.
0: I love that. One thing you always talk about is flow. So what is what does that mean? And I know that's one of the big your big guiding principles as you approach projects with spatial awareness. What does it mean?
1: I probably don't know how to describe it perfectly yet. I know someday I'll be able to. And it's it's something I've done without even trying to do. So I just want to always consider a space to flow, to be calm, to be harmonious, no dead ends, no dead spaces. To me, that's like a no-brainer. That's like that's basic entry level, how we should be living. And and so if you think about spaces that you walk into that feel really calm, consider museums, right? Mm. So you walk into museum space, already I'm imagining myself there and I'm calm because they've considered everything. Okay. You know, they've considered the fact that the only thing that should be jumping out at you is the art And they consider the fact that there's going to be crowds moving through the space. So they know that there needs to be the right transition spaces. And they know that they need to hold crowds in certain spaces at certain times. So it's like, why aren't we considering things like that in our home?
0: Mm -hmm. And I was
1: researching designing spaces for uh, neurodiversity recently. And one thing that kept coming up was just like some neurodiverse... People, they need, you know, they bump into things like just this. Mm. some people like they would bump into things. This is feedback I got from a client who was, um, you know, needed spaces designed for their needs. And, you know, they were describing how they don't like bumping into pieces of furniture. And, you know, if there was an island, it couldn't have sharp edges. And, that you know, they needed to be able to naturally flow through the spaces. And I had like this moment of like pure... That is how I have always designed spaces. Like that is literally, Mm -hmm. we should be designing spaces for neurotypical people as a default. Like, because that is all about understanding how people move through spaces and how everything at at the right dimension, in the right way, and the shape of furniture. Sometimes we can get caught up with how something should look. But actually, when we think about like, God, you know, how's that actually going to work in that space? It's the, it's such a square boxy thing. You know, there's lots of kids in this, in this house. I know they're going to be running into the side of that. That's just not going to be practical. Whereas, (laughs) you know, you could consider like more rounded, curved elements and softness, softness and calmness and lighting is so essential. So softening the light and um, thinking about things like that for me that's what flow is about and when people come into my home you know a lot of them will have seen pictures of it on my Instagram and a lot of them will have seen whatever and it's very hard to capture the warmth of concrete because our house is gone (laughs) but one thing everybody says that comes into this home is just how calm it feels because (laughs) No matter what I, way I looked at the layout, I said, I don't want any dead ends. I want you to be able to literally walk around every element of this home and just feel like you're breezing and flowing through the spaces and not transitioning, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like it just flows one to each other and connection, connection to the outside, you know, being able to see those clever little vignettes of sky. Um that's flow. It's just like being able to walk around your home and feel calm. I have a client who we've just finished their house and they sent me a text message saying, you know, thank you so much. I just love coming home. I feel calm when I come home. That's all I ever want. You know, mm-hmm. any- that's all I ever want anybody to say is that they feel calm when they come home. And that's that's like the job done. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And I think
0: what you're saying goes back to what you're talking about. People should choose the interior designer that's right for them. Yeah. Like, cause, cause there's somebody who's hearing what you're saying and they're like, oh my God, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I need. And there's other people who are like, calm is nice, but I actually, what I want more is I want like, like loads of over the top character and personality. And then they yeah. should be looking for somebody who's talking about that. And there's, you, you need to know what you're looking for beyond the, the, what you see on Instagram.
1: But you know what? I would even say in this scenario that even the people that have that desire for uh, maximalist, right? So yeah, you know, minimalism versus maximalism, like I would be considered more a minimalist designer.. Yeah. But if you are not that, if you're the opposite of that, you should still be designing spaces to, to be able to flow. yes no agreed it doesn't matter that the personality is big and mighty it still should flow yeah Um, because big and mighty and I have been to hotels that have full of personality and you know there's stuff everywhere but it's still comfortable yeah it's still comfortable and think about that you know think about those hotels you go into and they're all about Zen and they're so calm and you're like, Ooh, I love them. And you're moving through the spaces and you don't, you know, you don't see anything that's going on in the background. You don't see the, the workings of the hotel. Like we design hotels specifically. So you only see the beautiful front of house spaces. Mm -hmm. That should be applied to your home. You know, your washing machine machine shouldn't be in your kitchen. You're You're not going to go into a hotel and see all their washing machines and their laundry rooms and their <laughs> kitchens, like you see peaks of them at times that shouldn't be in your home. You know? Yeah.
0: Agreed. And I think also one thing about flow, when you're talking about the museum, yeah. I was thinking about like when you walk in a museum and you need to go look for a bathroom. Oh yeah. You, it's usually completely intuitive. You know that if you turn out of that long yeah. hall and into the main hall you came from, yeah. One, the only door there, the yeah. only door in, on the entire floor will take you to a bathroom. Yeah. And, and like anything like a fire escape or anything like electrical supply closet will be completely hidden. So you don't accidentally know where to go. And I think we all know that feeling when you're in a restaurant that hasn't been well, well laid out and you're like, where's the bathroom? And they're like, you have to go downstairs to the <laughs> end of the hall and take a left. <laughs> and you're just like, Bleh. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm nodding furiously here because, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. That's what flow is about. It's like, it's an intuitive movement through the space. Yeah. Yes, I've got my sentence finally. (laughs) I knew I'd get there someday. I knew I'd get there. You're (laughs) welcome. It's intuitive. That's it. It's an intuitive movement through space. Um, There's no second guessing how to use it, where to go how to feel even. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah.
0: I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm writing them down too. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Thanks. <laughs> I love that. And um, I think that is a great point to wrap up our okay. conversation. I think that's been an amazing exploration of, you know, where to start your journey, um, how to avoid feelings of overwhelm and yeah. making pressured decisions uh, it's about the preparation and working with an interior designer can help you figure out the things you didn't know you needed to make a decision on like so what do you want for skirting oh hadn't thought about skirting uh, just like whatever is normal
1: <laughs> i mean like, that, well. makes, that makes me feel sick you know um when i watch all those programs that you mentioned you know, where everything is like you know they're on site they're painting and then Someone's st- still deciding on a finish of a door. Like, I just don't understand that. It's like, what? And they're made for TV. It would be boring if of we course. watched something that was like perfectly um, yeah. executed. It's, it's, it's the entertainment value. But the reality yeah. is that that does not have to be the case whatsoever.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. So you can work with an interior designer to help you decide even if the extension is necessary. And I think people need to be willing to not be like, oh, but my home isn't as big as it could possibly be. There might be a layout that's going to save you money and headache and time. That, that means your extension only needs to be a a small addition to just give enough passageway to add an Island, you know, like a meter can do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just to give that balance. It's all about balance, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that. And then people need to know if, you know, if they're going to go that route versus an architect, they need to know the type of interior designer they want. How deep do you want them to go? Do you want them to be talking with your, with your builder and yeah. with the plumber and, um, you know, helping you create pieces from scratch? So you need to know how much help you want and whether it's just, you know, the color consultancy and, and the throw pillows, or if you want them to go deep into creating, you know, a utility room that's concealed like in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we talked about flow and looking to commercial spaces and hospitality spaces to figure out like what that is and why it's so important. How we shouldn't be sacrificing that just for bedrooms. Um, that there's usually a way to achieve both enough privacy and space for everyone who lives in a home, as well as flow. So, thank you, Steph, um, for all those illuminating insights. And we've defined <laughs> flow as the intuitive movement through a space yeah. where you don't have to second guess where to go or how to feel. So I love that. And if, uh, if people want to learn more about Steph and, uh, her amazing sense of style in her home, you can follow Steph on Instagram at the informed creative or for her interiors account. So Sullivan interiors. So S O. And also her house, <laughs> a third Instagram <of> <laughs> account. And that's Coal Lane House, as in like coal that you burn.
1: Anything else, stuff that you want uh, people to know? If they want to, you know, check out my website, like there's, we've got a clear kind of system now, thanks to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, <laughs> booking for a consultation, really, there's so much you can get out of a consultation with me. There really, really is. It's worth every penny. I would advise don't come to me if you're just looking for advice and cushions and colors. Come to me for the bigger picture. You know, I I'm an all in person. I need to know your life story. So love it. Do have a look at my website. Yeah, awesome. And that's so
0: SullivanInteriors.com.
1: Yeah,
0: awesome. Thanks so much, Steph. And um, I look forward to probably having you back on here to talk about Colleen House, most likely. Thank you for your time, and um, see you soon. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for tuning in to the Interiors Podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at the Interiors Podcast or on my Instagram account, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please subscribe, follow, leave a review, and share the podcast with friends and family. Thank you so much and see you here next time.